Section 20 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 8 Bonnie Dundee. Deruchette occupied the prettiest chamber of Les Braves, with two windows, furnished in vain mahogany, adorned with a bed whose curtains were checkered green and white and having a view of the garden and of the lofty hill on which stands the chateau of Laval. It was on the other side of this hill that the Bue de la Rue was situated. In this chamber Deruchette had her music and her piano. She accompanied herself on this piano when singing her favorite air, the melancholy Scotch melody, Bonnie Dundee. All of evening lies in that air, all of the dawn lay in her voice. This formed a pleasantly surprising contrast. People said, Miss Deruchette is at her piano, and the passers-by at the foot of the hill sometimes paused before the garden wall of the Brave to listen to the fresh singing and the sad ballad. Deruchette was joy itself going and coming in the house. She created a perpetual springtime there. She was beautiful but more pretty than beautiful, and more graceful than pretty. She reminded the good old pilots, Ms. Thierry's friends, of that princess in the ballad of soldiers and sailors, who was so beautiful that she passed for such in the regiment. Ms. Thierry said, She has a cable of hair. She had been of remarkable beauty from her very infancy. They had long feared for her nose, but the little girl, probably determined to be pretty, had held her own. Her growth had played her no ill turn. Her nose had grown neither too long nor too short. As she grew up, she remained charming. She never called her uncle anything but father. He tolerated in her some gardening and housekeeping talents. She herself watered her beds of hollyhocks, purple foxgloves, perennial flocks and scarlet binet. She cultivated pink crepi and pink oxalis. She took advantage of the climate of that island of Guernsey, which is so hospitable to flowers. Like everyone else, she had aloe in open ground, and, what is more difficult, she was successful with nipple sinkfoil. Her little kitchen garden was skillfully arranged, she made spinach follow radishes, and peas succeed spinach. She knew how to plant Dutch cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, which she transplanted in July, and turnips for August, curled chicory for September, round parsnips for the autumn, and rampion for winter. Mes Thierry allowed her to pursue her course, provided that she did not use the spade and rake too much herself, and, above all, that she did not personally apply the dressing. He had given her two servants, named the one Grasse and the other Douce, which are two Guernsey names. Grasse and Douce did the work of the house and garden, and they had a right to red hands. As for Mes Le Thierry, he had for a chamber a little den looking out on the port and adjoining the large room on the ground floor where the entrance door was situated, and where all the various staircases of the house ended. His chamber was furnished with his hammock, his chronometer, and his pipe. There was also a table and a chair. 
The raftered ceiling had been whitewashed, as well as the four walls. On the right of the door was nailed the archipelago of the Channel Islands, a fine marine chart bearing this inscription, W. Fadden, Five Charing Cross, Geographer to His Majesty. And on the right, other nails held outspread on the wall one of those huge cotton handkerchiefs on which are figured in colors the signals of all the navies on the globe, having at the four corners the standards of France, Russia, Spain, and the United States of America, and in the center the English Union Jack. Douce and Grasse were two creatures of a certain kind, in the good sense of the word. Douce was not ill-disposed, and Grasse was not ugly. These dangerous names had not turned out badly. Douce, unmarried, had a gallant. In the Channel Islands this word is in use, the thing also. These two maids had what may be called the Creole style of service, a sort of slowness peculiar to Norman domesticity in the archipelago. Grasse, coquettish and pretty, gazed incessantly at the horizon with the uneasiness of a cat. This was caused by the fact that having, like Deuce, a gallant, she had also, so it was said, a sailor husband whose return she feared. But that does not concern us. The contrast between Grasse and Deuce is that in a less austere and less innocent household, Deuce would have remained the servant, while Grasse would have become the lady's maid. Grasse's possible talents were wasted with a candid girl like Deruchette. Besides, the love affairs of Deuce and Grasse were latent. Nothing reached Mes Lethierie in regard to them, and nothing of them was reflected on Deruchette. The room on the ground floor, a hall with a fireplace surrounded by tables and chairs, had, in the last century, served as a place of assembly for a conventicle of the French Protestant refugees. The bare stone wall had, for its sole luxury, a frame of black wood, wherein was outstretched a placard of parchment, ornamented with the feats of Benin Bousset, Bishop of Meaux. Some of the poor diocesans of that eagle, persecuted by him at the time of the revocation of the Edict of Nantes, and who had taken shelter in Guernsey, had affixed this frame to the wall to bear it witness. There one could read, if one succeeded in deciphering a heavy writing and yellow ink, such little-known facts as the following. October ninth, 1685, demolition of the temples of Morsef and of Nanteuil, demanded of the king by Monsieur the Bishop of Meaux. April 2nd, 1686, arrest of Cochard, father and son, for their religion, at the request of Monsieur the Bishop of Meaux, released, the Cochards having abjured. October 28, 1699, Monsieur the Bishop of Meaux sends to Pontchartrain a petition of remonstrance that it will be necessary to place the Demoiselles de Chalard and de Neuville, who are of the Reformed religion, in the house of the New Catholics of Paris. July 7, 1703, was executed the order requested of the King by Monsieur the Bishop of Meaux to cause to be shut up in the hospital a certain Baudouin and his wife, bad Catholics of Foublaine. At the end of the room, near the door of Ms. Lethierry's chamber, a little niche of boards, which had formed the Huguenot pulpit, 
had become, thanks to a grating with an aperture, the office of the steamer, that is to say, the office of the Durande, kept by Mes Lettieri in person. On the old oak pulpit, a register, with its pages lettered debit and credit, replaced the Bible. End of chapter 8. Bonnie Dundee.